0: Wicked Cool. Feature alert. Hey there, podcast fans. Thanks for listening. Now, you can also reach out and send me a text message. On every episode at the top of the show notes, you'll see a link that says, Send us a text message. Simply click it, write something super nice and sweet, and away we go. Also remember to please subscribe, share this podcast with a friend by telling them about it, And leave us a positive review, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, your favorite podcast streaming service, or even on our website at www.afraidofnothingpodcast.com. Are you the type of person who's always losing things, your keys, your wallet, your phone, your glasses, or even your soul? Well, tonight's guest is for you. Kevin Jeffers, an author, has been helping people retrieve their lost or incomplete souls through the process of passing over for many years. His new book, The Pattern and Exploration of Consciousness, points to a pathway for people to experience more self-awareness and manifestation. Get ready to connect to your consciousness. In a world... Where nothing is known, nothing is certain, reality is not real. Wake up! Be afraid of nothing. I'm Bob Heskey, Robert.
1: The host with the ghost.
0: This is my podcast, based on my paranormal documentary, Afraid of Nothing. Each episode, we talk to people who see life and the afterlife through a different lens. Join me. Who is this large man? And what's he doing in our bedroom? As we lift the veil and open our minds to see beyond our eyes lie. This is Afraid of Nothing. I am with a man who probably doesn't sleep much. His name is Kevin Jeffers. He's a soul traveler a healer and an energy specialist. He's an author, a father. He's an artist, kind of an award-winning artist, and also a international trader. So Kevin, my God, how are you able to do all those things? Are you an amalgam of all your past lives? I don't know.
1: I think I'm becoming really good at compartmentalization.
0: So are you very good with a schedule in terms of doing things and blocking your day out?
1: Well, I I know what I want to accomplish, and I have a high degree of uh, internal organization and productivity. So I really don't think about it. And then as far as the meditation goes, I just like to have this little clock in my head that says, okay, wake up three o'clock. I wish it would say 7 a.m.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's the, uh, isn't that the witching hour three o'clock, depending on. on it is. It is. Yeah.
1: I didn't know that for the longest time, but yeah, I was talking uh... to my acupuncturist and she said at three in the morning, The body is doing astral traveling. Wow. It's Chinese. She she looks at it from a different point of view. That makes a lot of sense.
0: You had an experience a while back, which was the inspiration for a book you wrote called The Pattern. And you didn't write that book until 30 years ago. And then you recently uh, picked it up, dusted it off, edited it, and are releasing it to the world or have released it to the world on Amazon. Tell us a little bit about the inciting incident that uh, started you on this on this journey where you saw the pattern.
1: I think the start of the journey occurred when I was very young. But it really, it became more real for me about 18 years old. And at about 18, I started doing past life regressions, hypnotic regressions. And that opened the door for me about my potential. So I went through a whole series of past life regressions using hypnotic processes. And these lives kept coming up and coming up. And I I was comfortable with it because I've been experiencing strange things since I was five years old. But that gave me a really a high impact on what a past life is. Before it was conceptual. That made it real.
0: Did you have to go on this journey alone? Was there anyone in your family that had similar, was kind of an empath or had similar characteristics as you, or are you self-taught?
1: Well, it's a combination. I had a moderator,
0: fortunately, in my mother,
1: who had been training me on Blavatsky and Steiner and all that crew from the 1930s and 40s, some in the 20s. So I had a foundation of what all of this meant. Steiner was excellent because he talks about angels and spirits and and all of these things. So she would be like a conductor during these hypnotic sessions, where once I connected to something, then she would guide me through the something. And then as time went on, we didn't need the hypnotist anymore because I had programmed myself to be open and available to this past life experience, and then she would. She would be the moderator.
0: Knowing that you've had past lives, obviously you believe in reincarnation. Is that accurate? That's true. It's beyond belief, Bob. I've experienced those lives. How do you experience it? Is it you go back and t- is it and when do you experience it? Do you experience it when you're meditating, when you're sleeping? When does it happen?
1: Mostly it's when I'm meditating at three in the morning. It's far easier for me to go out and I'm willing, I'm able to have uh, an experience that I don't question or don't think about. All I do is record it in my in my mind so I can write it down later. So it's a natural evolution. I'm not pushing for anything. And frankly, pushing for something tends to end in failure.
0: So you just let it unfold and come to you pretty much at that point. You just open yourself up and whatever experience comes to you and you you, you let it yeah. guide you.
1: Well, it, it's like this. Now that I'm older and I've done this for a long time, I've been doing it now for most of 50 years. I just go out and I, I have my guides. I actually have a guide. I didn't think there was such a thing as guides. I thought that was nonsense, but then I met one and I have the guide tell me where to go and what to do because I think that's the, that's the higher degree of efficiency instead of wandering around hoping you're going to run across something interesting.
0: And do you do this every night or is it just a couple nights a week? How often do you do this? Every night for years. Wow. That is incredible. So do you know roughly, have you, do you have like a journal or a log of all the different past lives that you've experienced? Yes. And how far back do you go?
1: Well, let's see. That's a good question. I never lined them up time-wise. The earliest I remember is in Egypt, and I was out boating on the Nile in one of the tributaries, and I got my leg bit by a a crocodile.
0: Oh, God. Now, do those things come with you? Do those scars? Sometimes I've heard people say that things happen and they go with you in your other lives until you're able to kind of— cleanse yourself from it did have has that crocodile bite stayed with you or no no
1: no, that's just that's just a recreation in my head of an experience but i do have one thing that's what i consider a carryover from a past life and in that life i was a viking about 17 18 years old going out on his first voyage and just having a thrill a great time and the ship whose master was my brother who was older than me Engaged in another ship of Vikings. Needless to say, there was a lot of bloodletting in that experience. So the two ships engaged. I'm up on the mast. I'm supposed to be the lookup. I'm the kid. The kid doesn't go into the fight until he's ready to go. So I'm up in the mast, having a great time, telling everybody what's going on in the other ship. And I feel a, a slam against my chest. I mean, I literally felt this. And I look down. And there's a spear huh. right on the left side of my chest, a little bit above the nipple is a spear. Needless to say, it was, uh, you know, that was the end of the game. I died yeah. shortly after. So I've always had a kind of like a, a birthmark or a little, kind of looks like a little baby tumor inset into my chest. And at one point, my doctor got very concerned about it. And he said, you know, Kevin, this doesn't look good. And he was he's like cancer phobia. So he took me in the hospital. He got the the male mammogram, whatever it is. I I don't remember at that time. And he walks out and he he just says, you don't have cancer. I said, well, doc, what is that? He said, that's a birthmark. And then I remembered back to the experience of getting the spear in my chest. And I'm thinking, well, hey. Obviously, that had had a great impact on me because I carried it forward over hundreds of years.
0: Yeah, it's it's odd that a birthmark would wouldn't just be a mark that it would be kind of like have a small tumorous like or cyst like mass, correct? Or that's a little I, I, I haven't the heard. The doctor of
1: said it looked like a tumor to him a cyst with an underlying tumor, and that's why they they rushed me over there to check it out because they don't want me to die from cancer. And it turned out it was nothing. It was just like a little ingrown piece of meat just inside the the outside of my chest.
0: Uh, Now, over the past 30, 40 years, since every three o'clock every night, have you ever had a really horrific experience, a a, a really bad one that you were uncomfortable? and, And did you have to revisit it? I've had a number of them. Really? All right. And and how long does it take you to unwind after that? <laughs> I mean, it's well, just like... Depends on how nasty it was. Yeah.
1: It's not become a common phenomenon anymore because I'm older, more mature, more experienced, and I shield myself from that kind of energetic invasiveness from another, I guess you'd say, intelligence.
0: Yeah. I, I, I got to tell you, personally, myself, I wake up like at six o'clock. It seems my last instead of REM, which could be from three o'clock to six, wow. I have like a lot of bad dreams or, or I, I can kind of vividly remember some experiences, but they're not from this life. And I don't like the people, you know, a lot of times in the <laughs> situation that I've been with. And it's just kind of like, God, how did I think of that? You know, and, it's, it, and it doesn't happen every night. It happened definitely for a while. I had lost my job probably in June. I was feeling very traumatic and not sleeping very well. And then there was a stretch where I was having it. I was waking up at like six, and I could remember the experience, so I never wrote it down. But it was like just people I didn't like, and it was uncomfortable, and I was in a lot, lot of bad situations. So it's, do you think what you do and your skill, do you think that everyone has it? Yep. All right. And that's the, the genesis of the book you wrote, The Pattern, which I guess we'll pivot to that. Talk about, if you don't mind... That moment where you were meditating and you became one with everything and saw this amazing grid, and then your life changed after that.
1: You know, Bob, I don't think it changed so much as it enriched my life. I had gone through a lot of things and experienced a lot of things, but seeing the pattern, I'll give you a little bit of a story behind that. I'm sitting in my meditating chair, a really nice, gray lazy boy you know the the legs swing up and you can relax the whole thing and i'm going into my meditative state increasing my frequency while decreasing awareness of the body which is important for me and i and i said i'm ready to go out i'm ready to project my consciousness outward and have a little chat with my guide what happened is it's like a, a somewhat like a hand reached into my collar, which is strange because I had a t-shirt on and yanked me out of my body. Now that's, that could be very strange. So the, the grip of something yanked me out of my body and took me to instantly into a location where I was seeing the pattern. And the pattern was a grid underlying the entire galaxy that was, Created by what I call the originators. Probably in common talk, it would be God. Well, for me, they're the originators.
0: So is that plural or singular? The originators. Plural. 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 Okay. Because it's, it's a teamwork. Mm-hmm.
1: It really takes quite a bit of work to put a galaxy together, I guess. So they have a whole team.
0: Is there but one th- leader, though? Is there one like we think of God, right? Or people who are religious say there's God and there's every, there's layers of management maybe underneath. That entity, right? So, in your understanding of it, is there one supreme entity and there are layers underneath that support and follow? No, not at all. No, it's interesting.
1: It's a team effort. The the conceptualization of one leader with all knowledge is more of a, it's just a strange aberration of our cultural thinking, which is someone has to be in charge. Yeah. But if we shift that into spirit, which operates in a completely different set of roles. Everything is teamwork. Everything is created as a unit, not like ants, but individual participation and input into the group effort. Huh. I see the originators as more than one. I'm okay with that. Not like I have a voice in the matter. <laughs> but I see the originators, I see what they built is called the pattern. Overlaying the pattern, which seemed to me to be an overlay, which I found out it's not, is our galaxy. I think the point of the message was, look at the pattern and how it is present and influential in our entire galaxy. It's just not unique to the Earth. It's not unique to humans, which makes sense to me because I, Carl Sagan used to say there's probably 50,000 different organized planets with intelligence and consciousness. So, Okay. And then the hand grabbed me again and pushed me towards the pattern. It's kind of like a zoom close-in view. And the closer I got in, the more emotional I became. And I I just don't experience a high degree of emotionality when I'm in this meditative state because there's no need. It's not an emotional location. And the, the emotion was experiencing the messaging Coming from the pattern, this grid formation that underlies consciousness, it's like uh, going through school. You have to start a kindergartner and you end up in college and each progression of evolution of or promotion into the next degree is assisted by the pattern because the originators said, okay, we created all this great stuff. We don't want it to get off track. Let's keep it on track. So there's a track, there's a programming for what I call the uplift of consciousness. And the uplift of consciousness is that every form of consciousness, as an example on the Earth, from the the trees to the rocks to the bugs to the lizards, spiders, animals, humans, are all influenced by this uplift of consciousness. People are not unique in that regard at all. And are actually life forms that are smarter and more aware than people are.
0: So let me just interject, if you don't mind, a couple of questions. So I'm thinking of a grid. I assume it's not two dimensional. I assume it's not even three dimensional. It's multidimensional. Is that accurate?
1: I would say that there's an infinity of realities that are being reflected from the grid, and each of us are living within one of those realities.
0: And the different lights that you see within it, I think you thought you mentioned that those are souls. It's a mixture of souls that have passed and souls that are living. Is, is that correct? I think that for me at that
1: time, the imagery was was more of a, a conceptualization of the reality of the pattern. How can I take this in in an understandable manner? So I think that a, a grid was created. It could be, it could be circles, it could be triangles, it could be anything. But for me, it's a it's a grid. Okay. And the little golden lights are representative of higher degrees of consciousness that are that are embedded into our universe, our galaxy.
0: Were there some lights that were more brilliant than others? And did you recognize was there a feeling of being home and knowing this, or was this just an awakening to something? It was awakening. It was, and then yeah. there were
1: there were darkened lights, and then there were black lights, and there were sections of the grid showing the galaxy where entire sections were dark. And my sense of it, and now as I'm getting closer, I'm seeing more and more and more of how things work. My sense of the dark locations are worlds and smaller galaxies
0: that are dead. Mm. And where did they go after they died? Did they go anywhere? Or did they just extinguish
1: extinguish from my point of
0: view okay
1: when you make the transition from the physical body to the spiritual body or you exit out of this galaxy because you've completed your work your assigned work and your group soul pulls you out said okay we're done kevin we're done it doesn't go dark what you leave behind you is is your own creation of reality your own creation of consciousness, that's the lesson we learn. And we're here to learn. When you pass and you go to the reception committee, which I call the reception committee, one of the first things they do is ask you, what did you learn? And what you learn becomes becomes a part of your group consciousness, and then striving for release from the earth, is an example, from that low-frequency reality called earth.
0: So these series of lives that we have, the ultimate goal is an ascension to a higher plane or what is the end game?
1: Well, it's a higher level of consciousness. When your group is complete and you've learned what you wanted to learn and you're ready to move on, it's not a plateau. It's just a transition to a new reality. You start within a new reality.
0: And is the goal to go to eventually leave your ego and your individuality behind and just be part of everything?
1: Yeah, that's a desirable goal, but the ultimate goal is to become creators ourselves.
0: And as creators, what would we create? I'm sorry, I'm just it sounds like a basic question, but would we create our own grids, our own patterns, or what would we create? Yeah,
1: I, I think every group of consciousness has their own objectives, so we could go out and create another universe another galaxy or we could we can create whatever we want to create whatever serves the total knowledge of the group soul
0: Uh, you know for a a guy who's an artist like you that must seem like a pretty good thing that it's it's a blank canvas and you can just go out and create new worlds and new pieces of art right
1: yeah and new reality is within the super consciousness and it's just a lot of fun it's definitely appeals to me as an artist i think a scientist would would be appealing to them as as a beautiful construct of energy, forming yeah. a, a reality.
0: You, you seem very much at peace with it and very comfortable with it, which I would assume you're very much at peace with your existence and being here, but also whatever happens. Do you feel like when we pass, you're somewhere else and then you come back? Or what do you think happens?
1: Bob, we don't die. We're immortal beings. Our souls are immortal. We just don't die. Now, we can experience death, and sometimes it's ugly, and sometimes it's okay. Yeah, we can experience death, but when we move on, there is no death.
0: And do you uh, believe that we have um, free will and choice and how we recycle ourselves after death and where we go after that?
1: Personally, it's been my experience, and I would differentiate between what I believe in and what I know from my experience is that that answer is yes. Uh.
0: Well, that's uh, very liberating and that's very uh, optimistic, which is great, you know, in these times that we were in. So why did it take you 30 years? It seems like you wrote it, I think you were probably in your 30s. Did it take you a long time to get that first draft done or did you just kind of just get it done or did it take a long time?
1: Well, the first draft to completion when I stopped writing was a number of years to do that because it was a remembrance and a consolidation of my experiences and input from my group soul. And then I put it aside. I said, okay, I can come back at this later. I just didn't know it was going to take so darn long. Yeah. But then I got a push. I got a definite real push from my guidance to pick up the book, clean it up, get rid of the nonsense that, only, that a 30-year-old would think about, and take it to a professional editor, which I did, which was an extraordinarily painful experience because she wasn't oh. going to put up with any nonsense. And then she said, now you have to add your personal experiences. I said, well, I don't want to talk about my experiences. I have no interest in publicizing my experiences. I want to talk about the pattern. She said, no, it's not going to work because the experience brings some degree of authenticity to your explanation of the pattern.
0: So how is your book laid out of the pattern? Is the first part your experiences and the last part kind of goes into the pattern and how they can learn from your experiences to create their own experience.
1: I would say the first half is personal experiences, explanation of those experiences, the background of those experiences, then a transition to more of a 30,000 foot view, like from an airplane down to earth, not as a physical entity stuck in the, in the operation and the gravity of the planet, but as something more than that. It's like, looking out and seeing spirit for what it is i'm not afraid of death anymore
0: mm. what about your publisher how did the book impact them once it was done and cleaned up and they had spent time with you with it did it change them at all or are they just such professionals that are on to the next project well
1: actually it did whoever's touched that book it's changed
0: oh that's great well that's your uh, that's how you know you're doing something right
1: so when I finished the book, the editor was done uh, whipping me into shape about what I was going to write and writing and all that stuff. I just literally wiped my hands of the whole thing. So I sent it into Google, and it was like, you know, what's the need to talk about this anymore? I did what I was supposed to do.
0: And now you're working on another book on soul retrieval. And yes. Could yeah. you define what soul – because when I think of soul retrieval, I think of like a demon has taken my soul, and I need help getting it back. But I think it's different. You spent some time in Ukraine, correct? And uh, yes. yeah. people being blown up and and kind of being lost in the, the trauma, being lost kind of in that purgatory between this life and the next life and needing guidance of where to go. That's what you're talking about for soul retrieval, going and guiding them to move to the path that they're supposed to. Is that accurate? Move to the light. Okay. To move
1: to what I call the reception area where souls are brought back from the earth experience into the higher spiritual realm. There's an adjustment period. You just don't suddenly become who you are. You adjust to what you were in, what you
0: became, and now
1: what you were again.
0: How are you called to help these different people? How how does that happen? How are you led there? Well, my
1: guide just points. And we built up this relationship where I go out, I have a chat with the guide, and I said, what's tonight? It's on the menu. Yeah. (laughs) And they'll point over to somebody and say they need to be pulled out because their time is ready. It could be a child. It could be an adult. It could be a group of people. It's all the same to me because we're all going back to the light. And the light is source of the creativity of our Earth experience.
0: And is this at three o'clock in the morning, or is this at whenever you're meditating, or whenever you're you're? Generally, it's
1: you? and it usually lasts about an hour and a half. Sometimes sessions go longer, and oh. then I go back to bed, and and I just pray that I'll get an hour and a half of sleep.
0: Yeah, that's wow. Did your job as an international trader help you because you could go all you were all over the world, right? And did that open up new opportunities to help people like Ukraine that you wouldn't have normally been confronted with?
1: I had ulterior motives. Number one, obviously, is to go see the world,
0: yeah. experience
1: different cultures. But number two was that I went from place to place, guided by my needs and wants of spirit, to retrieve for myself a fragment of consciousness that I had left when I died in that location.
0: Mm. Not to get personal, but I'll throw it out there. When you die, is there a certain place where you want your remains to be from this life? Is there something in particular or does that not matter?
1: I'm leaning towards cremation and throw it into the wind.
0: Yeah, I wondered about, you know, I always wondered about, does it matter if you do cremation or a natural death? It doesn't matter at all, right? You just, it's just whatever.
1: I mean, you know, everyone, each of us have our individualized experience. For me, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because it doesn't mean anything. I mean, you're dead, you're dead, the body's behind, the soul goes on. Either you move into the light immediately, or you get stuck here for various reasons. It's either or, and then eventually you're released anyhow, because it's not the destiny of the soul to be stuck here forever.
0: Mm. So the, the two takeaways that people will get from the pattern are an uplift of consciousness, and a better understanding or connectedness to spiritualities. I don't know if I'm saying that exactly right, but is that in the ballpark of, of what they'll get yeah. from that book? And,
1: and my my hope is that you will start to lose your sense of helplessness. Mm. I mean, if you really cut to the chase, all of us feel helpless.
0: Sure. Well, I mean, that's the whole human existence, right? We are born yes. and we're we're helpless, right? We need someone to guide us, to, to take us, and my mom, my mom passed. Uh, if if you unless you die from some tra- uh, traumatic way, my mom had Alzheimer's. It was almost. I remember my brother in law saying, "God, it's just you come into the world, you're you can't do anything, and you have to learn stuff. And when you get to mention at the end, you forget everything, and it's almost kind of the same way, but in reverse, you know." So it was a, a painful start and end to your journey.
1: Well, I would take it a little different view on that. When you agree to be born, and, and keep this in mind, you're agreeing but you want that experience, you come into life on earth and you forget who you are. You just simply forget. And then you like sign a contract. Not quite, but the concept is real. I will believe in time. I will believe in space. And if you think about your life, you are framed and guided by time and space. As pure spirit, there's no limitation to your reality. You're not bound by time because time doesn't exist in the spiritual plane. You're not bound by anything because you are pure spirit. All this nonsense on earth goes away. Your totality of self, all those people that really annoyed you or killed you or made your life miserable, you all sit around and shake hands and say, hey, how was it? I got to be the bad bad guy this time. I got to be the good time. I got to be the saint. I got to be the soul, you know, whatever. When it's over, it's over. And you go back to who you are.
0: Why in this lifetime are you so aware and enlightened? A lot of us aren't, you know. It's almost like you're living many lives in this one lifetime because you experience all your past lives. You're you're experiencing a lot more than the average person, right? Probably. Why do you think that is? Are you an old soul or? I I think
1: I'm a candidate for self-abuse personally.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It it doesn't, yeah, it seems like it kind of takes you off the mark of being in the now because you have all these different things. What's amazing is you have all these talents, you're an artist, you're a trader, you're an author, you do all the, you're a father, You you do, so you really have lived life, but you have all these things kind of tugging at you, you know, for your attention as well. So I think the average person probably couldn't handle that. I don't, I don't think I could.
1: The other things, the trading, the life, the travel, the family, those are just materialistic efforts that have a specific result.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So if you have a child, you have a child. Or if you have a business that lets you travel, that's just the way it is. What you don't know for sure is what the heck is happening over on the spiritual side. And that's where people lose sight of who they are because they're really not aware of who they are. They go to church and they learn a bunch of stuff. And then when they die, a saint or something or their family takes them to the light. That's the agreement. When a person dies from, as an example, Alzheimer's, There is a period of time where there there is confusion. There's the inability to go direct to the light. The the game here is that we're all responsible for ourselves. We're responsible for our experience. And maybe having Alzheimer's and dying and and getting confused and not understanding where you are in spirit is what you want to learn. Because eventually you're released. Nobody's stuck here forever. That's like a, a movie or something. It's a, it's a waste of who you are.
0: And have any of your past lives been as animals or plants or whatever, or has it always been as a human, this kind of entity that you're in right now?
1: Well, that's a good thing to ask. I, I have no remembrance of being an animal or a plant or a stone, even though I enjoy communicating that way with those those forms of consciousness. Looking back into my history, there there are really people who are created as humans. The spirit goes into their human body, and their purpose in life is to learn to be a human. I started out where my purpose in life was to assist humans, to bring knowledge and experience and guidance to people. And then through some very particular quirky twists of fate, I ended up in a body. So that was the first step that I took in, in incarnating into the physical body was when I was redirected from pure spirit, helping people to being a person. So I think my guide had this brilliant idea that if I was born on the earth and I experienced the, the death and the starvation and the happiness and the love, that it would, be, it would be a fuller experience for my soul.
0: Yeah, I wonder if being like a tree... You know, you just—I mean, I know it's kind of throwing out the idea, but you wouldn't have the distractions that humans have. You'd be very much in the present. You'd probably sense all that's around. You'd be very much in tune and vibrating in concert with uh, nature, and probably be more aware and self-aware than humans ever could be. In a way, you know, I'm I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, trees are cool. If you go into a forest, pick a tree that you feel attracted to, and put your hand—put your hand on the trunk, feel the bark, feel the tree feel the energy in the quiet of the forest feeling the energy of a tree is a completely different experience than what we have here we just go look at trees mm. we don't participate with a tree in in their life and trees are very reciprocal they will they will respond to that kind of contact plants are the same way some people have what they call a green thumb yeah those people simply understand the plant spirit mm. Some people are good. You know, there's the, the horse whisper. Just, okay, really good with horses because they communicate with horses. And you say, well, how the heck do they communicate? Well, remember, the, the underlying reality that we face is that everything is energy. You know, they boil it down to quarks now. and Quarks are the, the foundation of the creation of energy.
0: We know how the pattern can help us. How can soul retrieval help us? Because soul retrieval seems to be helping almost like lost or disconnected souls. Can it? How, how can soul retrieval help people like myself, who's alive right now?
1: Well, e- each of us have the opportunity to engage in good works. You know that expression. Retrieving souls and taking light is good works. I, I found it completely changed my, my life, my understanding of reality. Retrieving souls and taking them into the light. It's kind of like, it's a simple thing. I call myself the train conductor. You know, put them on a train and take them there. Put them on a train and take them there. But when I touch them, when there's that very basic exchange of making contact and taking them to light, I see who they are. So I have learned more things. To be a conductor for a child who died by violence and war. Is, is so incredibly sad. It's like a life extinguished in a very violent way. For older people, it's like, oh great, you had a great life. Now let's just get let's get your head squared away. But I wouldn't be retrieving them because the guide does not point me to souls that are not ready to go.
0: So that's yeah, it's great. So beyond you, you normally do, which is living your past lives and all that stuff. You it helps you experience other people's lives. So it it, it widens your your antenna. <laughs> to all well, it stuff widens
1: my on. sense of compassion. Yeah, I've never had a reason to be a compassionate person until I engaged in this work and saw the suffering and misery that people go through. When I was younger, it was like looking at a person and just buying into the facade, buying into the face, yeah. the clothes, the presentation. I never went into the depth of them except in the healing environment. But now in retrieval, you connect. You fully, fully connect. They, say they see you for who you are. You see them for who they are.
0: How many people do what you do? Are there many? Do you have peers that you communicate with, and you go? Yes, off the yes. Or- there's a there's another gentleman who
1: does soul retrievals, and we compare notes because we both thought we were lunatics.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I said, "Well, I I experienced this, I experienced that," and he said he experienced this and then that. And I said, "It's just it's interesting that the retrieval process is almost emotionalless."
0: There's a guest I had called Father Nathan Castle, and he sees dead people in his. He goes to bed and he says this uh, Gregorian prayer or whatever that says, I don't need my consciousness. Go ahead, take it and bring to me what you need me to help you with. And he'll wake up, he'll experience souls that are caught. A lot of mm-hmm. them are traumatic. They, they pass with traumatic deaths and they don't know how to move on, like you just talked about with soul retrieval. And he jots it down, and then he will, at one point during the week, he has a couple people to help him. They will try to work with them and move them forward. So
1: oh, I I've met Father Castle.
0: Okay, cool. Did you guys get along? <laughs> yeah, I thought he uh, was a good
1: because, guy. We definitely compared notes.
0: Yeah.
1: And he's looking at me like, Can I believe you? And I'm looking at him like, Can I believe you?
0: Well, he doesn't believe in reincarnation. He believes in one life, right? That's the that's the thing. Yeah, well, there you go. This is my 97th show, and so I have all the different perspectives. Some people believe in good and evil. Some people say there's no evil. Some people think there's demons. Some people say there is no hell. There whatever. And so I I I find the more people I meet, it opens my mind. But man, I have a hard time like cataloging all this stuff and, and coming up with a a, de- a definite conclusion. It gives me hope, but I haven't I'm not closer to the answer than I thought I was when I did episode one.
1: Well, there, there are demons, Bob.
0: There are. Okay. Yeah.
1: Have you ever run across one? You need to spin around and run away as quickly as you can, because they just don't care. Yeah, they operate well, in a completely different reality than we
0: do. And and you run into them because there's a post in your in your blog on your website, which looks great by the way. I can tell you're an artist because you you designed the cover for your book. So when people purchase the pattern, the uh, the art, which is very cool. You did the cover, your website's very nicely laid out and very easy to navigate and get good information. You could easily tell that part of you, but what was your first experience with a demon, I guess? That'd be a good question, and then we can wrap it up. But Well, it was
1: very adversarial. I was about uh, 21, 22, and I was going to college, and I was laying in my bed, Doing what college guys think about, you know, who's going to date the next day. And I fall asleep and I sleep and I wake up with something choking me. Like a two-handed grip on my neck. And I was certain that someone was trying to terminate my existence. And I didn't want to open my eyes, but you know, I'm kind of nosy. I've been nosy all my life how things work. I opened my eyes and there's this black form sitting on my chest, squeezing the life out of me or what felt like it. And then I did, I, you know, pray to God, say the, our father, you know, do this and do that. And he was just laughing. And I said, get out of here. I articulated that. He said, okay. And he got up and started to leave. So I could, I had marks the next day. That's how real it was. And then he's going out the door, he starts laughing, this really weird cackle that you hear on movies where the bad guys are laughing. And he said, over his shoulder, walking out. I don't know if he walked out or just went out. I'll see you again later.
0: Huh. Did you ever see asked, him again or it again?
1: No, but uh, you know, I'm still, I'm still motoring on. I might. Yeah, we're gonna have a different conversation.
0: Wow, wow, well, that is amazing. I mean, uh, you have really experienced it all. Kevin, thank you so much for your time. Again, where can people, I will put it in the show notes, but just uh, as, as a final closure, where can people get your book, uh, The Pattern, and when will your other book come out? When are you anticipating that will be out?
1: I'm, I'm anticipating book number two at the end of this year. Um, how people can get the book, The Pattern, An Exploration of Consciousness, that kind of summarizes what the book is about, is on Amazon. It's thepattern.kevinjeffers. Because Google has a hard time finding it because when you type in the pattern, you get like 20,000 knitting patterns.
0: Mm, right. Well, your uh, your website is kind of unique too. It's the pattern.pub P U B. Yes. correct? Yes, right. it is.
1: I, I have a dot pub and all of in my email. My email is Kevin at the pattern dot pub which is it, it's a publisher address. Mm. And they just shorten it to Pub.
0: Oh, that's great. Well, I do, you don't actually I thought I heard on one podcast that you don't actually, you know, do services or something. I mean, I think the service you do to help people now is documenting it, putting it in your books. You're kind of at that point, right? Do you you don't actively go out and do soul retrievals unless your spirit guide reaches out and brings you there, correct?
1: Yeah, when I was younger, I was you know very very actively looking for people that needed healing and i i took uh classes at the barbara Brennan school of healing um i did all of those things and then now the emphasis has shifted as i get older to being directed to an activity that will be far more productive than me stumbling around
0: yeah teaching people how to fish rather than just you know um fishing Not just casting a rod but how to fish
1: the art of fishing
0: yeah and Seriously, soul retrieval is a
1: lot like fishing.
0: Well, that is a good place to end it. So, Kevin, thank you so much for your time tonight. I appreciate it. I know we had some issues with the other platform, but I think this worked out great. And uh, I learned a lot. So, thank you.
1: Well, thanks, Bob. You're a wonderful host. You asked great questions. Um, you didn't roll over me. So, I'm happy. <laughs>
0: Okay, every I'm thankful whenever anyone comes and does an interview, because I want to hear their story and let that unfold for me and, and take it in, you know, so I'm not here to question anybody. So I, I think this is very beneficial for me as well. You've been listening to the afraid of nothing podcast please subscribe and like us on Facebook until next time. Stay scared. Hey, you're still here. Great. Then why not listen to another episode? Visit afraid of to peruse all the shows. That's afraid of And while you're there, click the coffee cup icon to buy me a coffee and leave a review. I'll give you a shout-out in an upcoming episode, and the world will know how swell you are.